Uh, if you're just joining us, we've been in a uh, series, uh, we just started on, uh, on heaven. Um, before that, we were talking about uh, what it would be like, the kind of lives we, we live now in order to be ready or be prepared for heaven. And then it occurred to me that uh, very few people in our culture have any idea of what heaven is like, or at least what the scriptures say about it. Uh, our, our vision of heaven is, is, is terribly skewed. Um, probably because of pop culture and, and comics and things like that. We imagine a big man, an old man with a beard uh, floating in the clouds and, uh, and, and a harp and, and angels with wings. And it seems like a very strange place. And what we're arguing, what we're working on right now is to recognize that heaven is actually closer than you know. And it's, 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 much, it's much more real than that. It's much more um, you know, human and, and earthy than that. It's not totally human and earthy, but it's, it's much more than that. Uh, today, I would like us to, to think about a question, and it's a question that I think is going to become more and more pertinent uh, as, as we continue moving forward in this culture. Um, the question is, is this, it's, uh, if I'm going to heaven when I die, no matter what, why should I make sacrifices to live like Christ commands now? I think this is becoming, a, it, you know, it seems to me like if you were, you know, 50 years ago, being a Christian was kind of like a good thing. Right? Fifty years ago, if you, if, if someone saw that you were practicing Christian, they'd be like, oh, that's great. Um, you, you're probably a good person. You're the kind of person that we want, you know, um, to maybe uh, be a leader in our society. You're the kind of person who should do well in business. And so, uh, if you're a, a practicing Christian, that was something that was seen positively. And it was actually kind of a bonus for you. It was actually, there were some people who probably pretended to be, uh, Christians, even though they weren't and didn't really believe anything, just because of the social aspect of it, because they, it was a great way to, to meet people and be respected and things like that. Well, I like to say that I live half of my life in academia, and as a result uh, of spending time in uh, the world of scholarship, I can tell you that it's true that 90% of people with a PhD in North America are atheists. I know that. A lot of them teach religion <laughs> in, uh, in, in our schools. A lot of them teach Old and New Testament in our schools. It's, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, and I can tell you that, that it's not just the people in religious studies and biblical studies departments that are 90% atheists. It's also people in political science departments. It's people in sociology and anthropology. All the humanities. It's, 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 it's insane how, how little faith there is in the academy. And as they say, wherever the academy is, now, in 20 years, the broader culture will be. And if you're looking around at the way that culture is going, and you, and you see the elite places in our country, places like, you know, uh, L.A. and San Francisco and Chicago and New York and Washington, D.C. and Atlanta, places like that, you can see that it's increasingly hostile to f- traditional faith. It, in fact, I, I heard there was a lady on a TV show who recently uh, made fun of the vice president because um, he believes that God uh, communicates with him. Uh, he, he's a, a practicing Christian, and he believes that sometimes God you know, uh, can speak or give him instruction on how to live, can reveal his will. And this lady made fun of him on national television because that's crazy, right? Only a schizophrenic would believe that. Now, what does that tell you about her? It tells you that in her life, she knows nobody who has anything like a vibrant or active faith. That's not anybody that's in her circle. If there are people like that in her circle, they keep quiet because they know that she'll think they're nuts and fire them if they start talking or, you know, come out of the closet with their faith. I suggest to you that it's probably only going to get worse. 
Um, if, if any of my experiences in the academy uh, point in a direction, it's probably going to get worse. And so what was the case 50 years ago where like living a good life meant being, you know, sort of connected to the church and being a Christian, you know, at least in like in, in some formal way, that, that's no longer the case. In fact, I think we're moving into an environment where it's going to be more and more likely where being a Christian, someone involved in faith, is going to start costing you. You're actually going to have to be, you know, asked to make sacrifices. You're, you might be punished professionally, or you might lose out on some of the things that you dream of for your family if it becomes known that you are someone who follows Christ's commands. If you're a person here today and, uh, and you're not a person of faith, um, you're maybe a person who's like, who's thinking about, you're, there's something, you, you've noticed that there's things that are wrong with your life, things are messed up, um, you, you are racked with sin, guilt, whatever, um, your, your life isn't going the way that you think it ought to, and you believe that maybe faith uh, could, could be a part of that, I, I'm, I'm warning you right now, you are thinking about joining a, a, a people who are increasingly viewed as ridiculous in our culture. And so it had better be worth it. In fact, it might be that what we really ought to do is we ought to just keep our heads down and sort of just disappear into the culture. And we have our private faith knowing that God saved us and, and we're going to get to go to heaven. But, but, we all, but we act as if there is no God in most of our life. Right? That's, that's an option for us. And, we, and I, I believe that people have done that throughout history. They go to heaven. I don't think that God keeps them out of heaven. Uh, the only thing that it requires to, to get to heaven, to have eternal life, is simply to believe. And once you've done that, it's a done deal. It's sealed. And so there is the option. You have the option. We have the option of just kind of going through the motions. We have the option of living as though none of this is true. Make sure that the people outside the church don't think we're weird. We have the option of not doing anything about our faith. And the question is, especially as our culture becomes increasingly secular and increasingly hostile to faith, is there a reason? Is there a reason to live the way Jesus asks us to live? And I think the Bible has a very clear answer to that. And we, as we journey through the texts, I hope that um, you'll, you'll begin to see what um, the vision that God has for, for an eternal future um, and, and how our faithfulness now plays into that. So uh, let's begin by um, looking at, the, uh, at Genesis, the very beginning of Scripture. Um, this is about human destiny. It's like, what is humanity here for? Uh, and we read in, in a very famous passage, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Notice some things about this text. This is um, before there's any sin, before the world is broken, before there's decay, before the world is a, is a bad and threatening place. And yet, in the midst of that, the, the destiny of human beings is to go and be like cosmic farmers, right? To go out and, and, to, and to multiply and, and cultivate the earth and to, to, to train and domesticate and tame animals and to help them thrive, to, to, to grow things. 
The destiny is one of sort of like uh, being being like kings and queens over the earth and, 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 uh, and making it work the way that God wants it to. And we might think that that looks a little something like this. We can, we can accomplish this in our, in our current context, right? We can do something like this um, in our current context. You notice here how this is not a wild place, right? Human beings have come in and they've subdued, tamed, they've made the, the land fruitful. It's, it's, it's beautiful, it's, 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 it's both natural, and at the same time it's been cultivated, right? And so we might think, we might be tempted to think, that that's you know, something we can accomplish in this life. That we can actually fulfill that destiny. But there's a problem. The problem is, is that the world that we live in, in our own very lives, are racked with brokenness. It's infected with decay, disease, and sin. That we are people who are broken. And in fact, no matter how hard we try, most of the world looks like this. Wow! That's a bush viper. I think it's cool. Don't, don't touch it though. It's very, very poisonous. The, the world's a threatening place, right? Because it's broken, because it's, it's messed up. And how do you tame a bush viper? You don't. You just keep it in a cage or stay very far away from it or chop off its head. That's all you can do with bush vipers. Um, we, we see, you know, we, we try to, to cultivate and, and tame the world and yet somehow we end up with, you know, oil spills and things like that. We have, you know, most of the world still lives in grinding poverty like you see here, uh, because of the choices and the culture um, and, and the, the way that we actually have enough food to feed everyone, and yet the world is radically broken because of sin and decay. And so this, this vision that God had for human life, that we would go and rule, that we would go and subdue and tame and cultivate, that's been messed up. But that's not the end of the story. Paul in Romans 8 says, hey, guess what? That vision that God originally had in Genesis, it's not over yet. We looked at this text last week. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration. You see that? We, we want to, to, to make it the way that it is, but it, it doesn't because of, of brokenness. Not by its own choice, but with the choice of the one who subjected it. God allowed that to happen. But in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children, we know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. This vision that Paul has of the future, the, the, the ultimate end, uh, destiny, is that, is that the creation itself will, will be liberated and, and we as human beings will finally be able to live out our destiny as the people who, who rule over it who cultivate it, who make it the way that it's supposed to be. This is actually heavenly life will involve something physical, something real with us doing these things. Not perhaps the way that we think about it all the time, but it really will happen where we are able to fulfill that divine destiny for, for human life. And that's the first thing in your note sheets. In heaven, the human destiny to cultivate the created order will finally be finally and fully realized. Okay, good, all right. Neat. Uh, not exactly sure what that looks like. Uh, last week, people got mad at me because they, they thought that I was saying that um, heaven uh, is going to be exactly like this, like earth. And, you know, if you're, you know, cultivating stuff on earth, that's horrible. No one likes doing it. Uh, you end up looking like these people. I did, I did a Google image search for um, tired worker, and all of the pictures were of women. I was like... 
Google, Google, I mean, what are you trying to teach us? What, that women can be mechanics too? Yes, we know. All right, I, we got it. All right, that women have like, you know, so like a, an axe. I don't know what she's doing. Presumably making corn grow. I don't know. Um, but we, when we, when we think about, you know, cultivating and work, it, it sucks. No one likes work. We kind of like it a little bit, but at the same time, we're like, boy, it sure would be great if uh, we didn't have to do this. And, and I, yeah, isn't heaven supposed to be vacation time? It's like we can finally, you know, put your feet up and relax. Like, God, I don't want to be spending an eternity doing another nine to five. And I, and I just don't, these are not the images that you should have in your mind of what heavenly life will be like. I spent a lot of time saying I'm going to continue. We don't understand it fully, but all of the bad stuff that we don't like about work is going to be gotten, gotten rid of. Okay? But, but the, still, the, the joy of discovery and being out in the world and being participating, finding things and experiencing thrills and joys, the, the, all this stuff right here, the next thing, that's, that's heaven. Next thing, next thing. Yeah, you're, Dude, how, how insane is that kid? I love Google image search. I just can't get enough of it. Uh, <laughs> that kid is a big fan of Yu-Gi-Oh, which is some kind of Japanese anime and game. Think how awful his life was before this moment. Right? No, seriously, he, he's spending his whole life obviously miserable and deprived. Um, and, and then out of nowhere, this blinding flash of light, this, this scrapbook appears in his hands and he's like, yes, glory, joy, yes. Well, imagine a life where the cultivation of the worth is, world is all of this without the horribleness that went before it, where he was like lonely and sad. Um, the, the kind lady, the dog is tolerating her. My dog does this too. Like, oh, fine, touch me. Um, but, but think before this wonderful moment of connection and joy with her dog, think of all the poop she had to pick up. Think of all of the, you know, the feeding that she had to do and, and the, the, the picking those fleas out and trying to flush them down the toilet before they jump out of your hand. She had to do all that to get to this. But imagine a created order where you didn't have to. Where the work that goes into um, our existence, uh, it, it, it somehow abstracted, the, the bad parts of it, the horribleness, the tiredness, the sadness is taken away. Yeah, that's beyond comprehension, but it is the image that we keep getting of heaven. I don't know what to say about the top ones. I'm never going to go skydiving. That's insane. Erin can do it by herself. And uh, and it looks like that guy was like, will you go out with me? And she said yes. He's like, no way! Oh, Now she's rethinking her decision. Um... So just, that's my caveat there. Let, let's, let's go back uh, to the text. So, all right, all right. Let's just say that heaven's something like that. Well, that sounds awesome, but it still doesn't answer the question, right? That doesn't answer the question. It does not, does not answer the question of what um, we ought to be doing or how we, why we ought to live well, why we ought to be holy people, why we ought to try and actually do the things that Jesus says. Because, I mean, that all sounds great, right? And everyone gets that, right? So what is the language of the New Testament that, that might change our perspective? Um, I have, I've got a bunch of different texts here. They're all in the back of your note sheets. And, um, I just, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna kinda move through them and just pay attention to very specific parts of the language. Okay? Um, so let, let's, let's start here with 2 Timothy. This is Paul, Paul's near death. He, um, actually in this, in this book is begging Timothy to come visit him before he dies. 
And this is what he says. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Ooh, that sounds good. I like crowns. They're very pretty. Um, I think when I was in high school, I visited uh, England, and I have a vague memory of getting to see in, um, I don't know if we were at Buckingham Palace or what, but I think I, think I remember seeing uh, Elizabeth's crown. And it's awesome. I mean, it's beautiful. It's like, they, they have it all in black velvet, and then it's like lit up, so it's like sparkling as you walk through. I think I tried to take a picture of it or something. Crown, that sounds good. That sounds fun. We like crowns. Of course, crowns, not everyone gets a crown. Right? The only people who get crowns are, you know, the kings and the queens, right? The princes, the dukes, the princesses, the duchesses, right? Those are the kinds of people who get crowns. Royalty, right? Um, but, but apparently that's available to us somehow. Okay, well, let's look at the next text, look at the next one. Uh, this is First Peter. He's talking to the elders in the church. Um, elders, we do have an official elder board here, but um, a lot of times people who are considered elders are simply those who uh, care for the health of the church, right? Make sure that the church does not stray from the truth. Um, also that the church is, is headed in the right direction. And Peter says this about elders. Elders who are among you I exhort, I whom a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Time tells them a few things about how they ought to do it. And then he says, and if you do that, and when the chief, chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Crown of righteousness for Paul. Peter's talking about a crown of glory. Um, maybe that means that like uh, there's like this special kind of like brightness or something that goes on people's heads. I think I tend to think that the crown language is metaphorical. Some people think it's literal. Um, it's hard to say exactly, but whatever it is, it does come with all the connotations of crown language: royalty, um, you know, princes, princesses. I'll look at the next text. This is also from Second Timothy. This is a faithful saying. Um, Paul's actually probably repeating a, a common poem or, or, or hymn that the Christians used to, to say or sing. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Again, you hear this language of, of leadership, authority, royalty. You know, Paul's day, they didn't have uh, representative democracy. And so it was just assumed that anybody who was in charge of stuff was, a, you know, a king. Or, or something like that, or a, a duke, or a prince, or something like that. And, and, and Paul says, hey, we shall also reign with him. There, there is a, a part of heaven that involves us doing some reigning. Uh, last one, I think this is Revelation. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. This is Jesus speaking uh, to the churches, uh, to one of the churches um, that, uh, um, that, that is going through some difficult times. He says, to, to the one who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That's got to be a really large throne for all of these people to fit on it with him. That's why I tend to think this might be a little more metaphorical. But again, what is the language pointing to? It's pointing to royalty. It's pointing to um, the glory, to being up charge, uh, in charge, to being up there. Have you heard that song, Royals by Lord? 
L-O-R-D-E. I think she's Australian. It's an interesting song. It's a pop song. It became very famous uh, several years back. Um, in it, she, uh, she begins to talk about uh, all the things that she grew up seeing because of mass media, right? All the rappers with their G6. What's the best personal jet? The Gulfstream 6? I don't know, whatever. G6, G5, whatever. They probably have a G12 now, who knows. Uh, she, she sees all these, you know, videos on YouTube of like these rappers, because that really is, if you think about it, Western royalty now is like, you know, it's Tom Cruise and Kanye West. Uh, that's how we sort of focus. And so she grows up looking at all these people and being just wowed because, wow, isn't it amazing? They've got uh, the best champagne and the best personal jets and the best coolest cars. And, but the thing is, obviously I could never be one of those. Right? Obviously there's no way that I will ever be in the upper echelons right there. They're royals. Right? And the thing about royalty is it's only given to a, a, just a small few and it's never us. It's never me. And in, in the song, she's, she's, she's reflecting on, on what it would be like to, to, to be like that and to say, no, no, I don't need that. I don't want to be one of those, which is what we all say when secretly we're like, man, that would be awesome. Being royalty is enviable. They're the ones who have the glitter and the glam. You watch that show, The Crown. Have you seen this show, The Crown? Uh, it's on Netflix. It's about Queen Elizabeth. Um, and it kind of chronicles how she sort of um, grows up into the monarchy in, in, in the UK along with mass media, right? And so before, it was the case where, like, no one knew anything about what royals did. There was some palace gossip, whatever. But suddenly with, with, with video cameras and, 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 and regular cameras and, uh, and, and you know, newsprint and, and telephones, everybody knows what they're doing. And everyone wants to know. Everyone wants to know what life is like for a royal, because their, their station is so high, it's so wonderful. And regular folks like us, it, it would be amazing if we could just get a chance to live like that. If you think about all of the texts that the New Testament brings about, about heaven, it keeps referring to it as, as a place that's a kingdom. And in the ancient world, every kingdom, this is the next thing your note sheets, every kingdom needs a court. You don't have kingdoms without, you know, courtiers and people who are there who, who wait on the king and, 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 and listen to him and help him administrate and do all the things that he wants done. You don't have crowns without people to put the crowns on their heads and, and to use them as power and authority. But there's a converse to that. Not everybody gets crowns. Not everybody ends up as a royal. Heaven is guaranteed to anyone who believes, but being a member of the heavenly court, whatever that looks like, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, is not. Let's look back at those texts, and I want to highlight a different part of those texts. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That's why there's a crown laid up for me, Paul says. Paul was given a mission by the Lord Jesus and then commissioned again by the church to go out and give the gospel to the Gentiles. That was his, his job, his role, his mission. And what he's saying is, here I am on the edge of death. I went all the way on that thing. I was given this mission and I did not quit. I gave it everything I had. I'm poured out. I'm done. But I finished. I did it. 
And as a result, I'm being brought into heavenly royalty. Uh, in First Peter, the elders, this is people who've been commissioned to keep the church healthy, right? Um, they're, they're serving as overseers doing what? Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Hey, elders, if you do your job, this commission, this mission you've been given, this vocation, this special thing, if you as a community accomplish that and you stick with it and you hold fast, then guess what? You will be royalty. You will receive the the crown of glory. Uh, Back to 2 Timothy. If we endure... We shall also reign. Uh, Paul's, you know, he's older now, and and by the time that he's writing this, it's uh, become very clear that Christianity is going to be a persecuted sect. Um, it's it's the Roman Empire is not pleased with Christianity, um, and is going to harass and and go after Christians. Very much the same kind of situation that I've just said. I think we're probably headed to in our culture where Christians are harassed and uh, not necessarily murdered, but uh, certainly, you know, laughed at uh, and, and probably kept from all the good things that we might maybe want for our families um, and our careers, or at least some of them. And what Paul says is he says, this is a faithful saying. If we endure that, if we go through it, we've been called to be faithful in the midst of that culture, in the midst of that situation. If we do... We will be royalty. We will reign. We will rule. Last in in Revelation, to the one who overcomes. Uh, This is a section where um, the church is probably contemporaneous to John, but also maybe projecting what churches would go through in the future, um, knowing that that church life uh, in every age and every culture is different and always comes with various different types of challenges. And and the idea behind the vision is whatever your church's challenge is, whatever your community's difficulty is, whatever the persecution is, whatever it is, whatever you've been called to in your particular age, in your culture, if you overcome, if you succeed, If you stand fast, then you will sit with me on a throne. Because here's the deal. If you are, in fact, notice almost all of these, except for the first one where Paul's talking about his own personal mission, in every single one of these um, texts, there's, there's something communal Right? It's like, hey, the community of elders, hey, the church. It's something that, that communities of Christians do, where it sounds like communities of Christians are given a mission. They are given um, marching orders of sorts. Uh, God apparently communicates with them, regardless of what uh, that lady on TV thinks about it. And, and as a result, Christians are, are given goals and missions and things that they must do. And, and if they, as a community, if they, as a church engage and succeed, then there is something beautiful for them, something wonderful for them, something that is analogous or looks like ruling, reigning, being royalty. That's uh, the next thing in your note sheets. The heavenly court will be made up of believers who overcome the world. Whenever a group of believers get together, 
And they begin fulfilling the mission, the great commission that Jesus gives, the, the call to discipleship that Jesus gives. When they begin doing those things, the world is going to get upset in one way or the other. And the enemy is going to attack and throw in some wrenches to try and break things up. And if these, these little communities, if they survive that, if they overcome that attack from the world, then they will be lifted up. They will be special. They will be royalty in heaven. And if they don't, well, heaven will still be great. I mean, it looks awesome. I like that skydiving picture. It's, you know, sort of captures it. The thrill of of, of being able to fulfill God's call for human life to to cultivate um, and to discover and to to reign over the created order. Like, that's that's for every um, believer. But the New Testament is consistent, saying, but there's something incredible out there, something special for communities of faith who stick to their guns and fulfill their mission. You might be thinking, well, heaven is really a place where there's ruling, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that next week, what it looks like, you know, reigning and ruling in heaven, uh, because it's probably very different (laughs) than what our experience is. I was actually thinking about putting up a a picture of the Disney villains. Like, uh, you know that, the evil queen? Which one is, what's she called? Maleficent? Yeah, that's kind of like, oh, sweet, and finally I get to heaven, I can crush all the people that I don't like. No, it's not like that. Um, that that's a little bit too literal. Uh, but we will talk about it next week, what, um, what reigning or ruling um, in heaven will probably be like. But there is something really, really special about it. And it's something, um, I mean, if you're, if you're an investor, right, and you're looking for return on investment, The sense we get from the New Testament is that there is nothing you can invest in that will benefit you more than sticking to your guns and staying with the mission that God has given your community of faith. If you do that, you're eternal, you'll be a royal in heaven. You will have something in heaven that a lot of people don't because they didn't stick to their guns. You will have an experience of life eternal that is beyond your wildest imaginations. And that is the answer to the question. When it gets hard, and when you start to lose things, and when the culture seems to be hostile, the, the co- upward calling of, of Christ is to say, hey, stick to your guns. I got something special for you. And right now, I can tell you, if you're a part of Coast Bible Church, I can tell you what our church mission is. Right? Our church mission is, it's, it's, I know what God has called this place to do. The elders have, have prayed about it and they've thought about it. And, and we, we are three things here. We're Bible, grace, and family. That's our three things. That's our mission to Orange County. Is we're gonna stick to our guns on the Bible. We're gonna be people who are always listening and, 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 and searching the scriptures. You are not going to get a 35 minute talk about your finances next week. I'm not gonna do that. Unless it's in the Bible and I have to. If, not to say that you shouldn't worry about your finances. We were a disaster, and so we did a small group um, where we learned how to, um, it's crazy, you, you spend less than you make. It's just, it's fascinating. I got this whole um, 
I got this whole curriculum. So if that's something you have a problem with, <laughs> I, we, we, we can address that. But that's not what we're going to be about primarily. We're going to be about what the Bible says life ought to be like. We're going to be about grace. Uh, and what we mean by that is we are going to be preaching a gospel of grace. A gospel not that, hey, if you look this way and you've done these things and you continue to do these things, then you might be okay in, in heaven. No. It, it, the, the, the gospel that all you must do is believe, and that's it. Your ticket is punched. You're going to heaven. That is faith. And, and moreover, we're not going to be preaching the gospel of grace to people who are already Christians. I know, crazy, right? We're going we're gonna to be focusing on, on, on telling this to people who don't know God. Maybe you're somebody here and you're like, ah, gosh, this is a lot of weird stuff, heaven, blah, uh, I don't get all that. Um, hey, I got good news for you, friend. All that stuff that we're talking about, step number one to sorting life, to, to getting the brokenness fixed, to having sins forgiven, to being right with God, to being transformed, all you must do is believe because Jesus Christ in himself, in the cross, took everything and wiped it out. And it offers new life to anyone who believes. And if that's weird for you, come talk to me. I want to talk to you. Because I am excited about grace. And last but not least, we're going to be family. Our mission um, is not just to, uh, you know, have like a a bunch of people come and watch a band and then um, fall asleep while I'm talking and then leave. That's not the goal. Right? The goal, the goal is to have a community of people who love each other, carry each other's burdens, who come and, and honestly like really believe that God is that awesome. So even though we don't sound that great, we're gonna sing or at least mouth the words, you know, and, and, and listen to them. And, and people who are, even if we do fall asleep, we're gonna hope that someone next to us took a few notes and, 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 and gets us. And when we're in trouble, when we're in need, there's gonna be people around who are gonna help us, who's gonna carry our burdens with us. We're gonna be a team here. And moreover, if you, you know, your family, like, we want to be partners with your family, whatever that looks like. If you're single, hey, guess what? You can be married to us. If you're a kid, hey, guess what? There's a lot of people who can show you what it looks like to grow into a godly man or a godly woman. If you're a parent, hey, yeah, that godly man, godly woman thing. I don't know if you heard, but on Tuesday, we went to the doctor, and it's a boy. So before, I didn't care about raising young men in this church, but now I've got skin in the game. And so, so we're, we're going to be a people who are into seeing godly young men and women raised. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like the, I like, yeah. Bible, grace, and family. If that uh, tugs at your heart, it says, wow, I, that sounds like something I want to be a part of. That sounds like that sounds like a mission that God has given me. Cool, I got a good deal for you. Um, membership here is free. You can become a member. All you got to do is fill out some stuff on the internet. Well, you have to believe in Jesus, fill out some stuff on the internet, and talk to a few elders. That's it! And then you can be a part of this family, officially. And you can be about Bible, grace, and family. And guess what? Guess what? If you buy in, if you buy into that, then then what you're here is, is you're, you're going to be a part of this mission to accomplish those things, and we are going to accomplish those things in the power of the Spirit, by the blood of Christ. We are going to do them, and then you too will be a royal in heaven for eternity.
Join up. If you're already in, and you're part of this family, you're part of this community, guys, our eternal destiny is on the line here. It's on the line for us to preach a gospel of grace, to bring new people to faith. Our eternal destiny, our ability to rule and reign and have authority in heaven is on the line for us to develop a Christian family here, to assimilate new folks, to baptize, to disciple. It's on the line. If we don't do this, if we don't do this, we are sac- We are giving up. We are giving up everything God has for us for eternity. Not everything, but the best part. This is our calling, and we have got to execute, not in our strength, but in God's strength. Brothers and sisters, every kingdom needs a court. And I don't know about you, but I would like to be in on that. And if you do too, then saddle up, because we're doing it. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we uh, confess that heaven is for all, any who believe. But God, we also have an upward calling, a a desire to see, um, to be with you, to fulfill human destiny in its fullest sense, to be a part of, of your kingdom court, to be kings and queens and princes and princesses and dukes and duchesses with you, to experience for all eternity what it is um, to be your special ones. God, do not let us lose sight of our mission, the vocation that you've given us, our upward calling to Bible, grace, and family. Bring new people, God, people who do not know you, to come and hear good news about you people who have heard good news and have walked away to come back and re-engage faith. People who are here now to to re-engage and and double down on our investment in your kingdom and your hope. God, may we at Coast Bible Church enter into your court in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.